Lazarus. Um, this paper is purely a reading area where you're going to be doing a lot of reading. Uh, as always, the paper is going to be a three-hour three paper. You're going to have a five questions, no options. You're going to be tempting all the questions. Now, the nature of the question at this level will be some things like explain, describe, give the procedure, or these are the nature, or state, these are the nature of how the wordings will be used in the questions. Which means that sometimes also the examiner can give you an extract, that is a short scenario where he asks you a question based on the scenario that you are presented with. Major topical areas that we will be focusing on in this topic or in this subject include regulatory frameworks for auditing, the issue about internal audits, we will come to audit planning and talk about internal controls. We will talk about audit evidence. We will talk about review and then reporting. So these are the thematic areas of the syllabus. Every semester, you're going to see the questions spreading across, especially at the reporting, internal controls, uh, uh, audit evidence, internal controls, and then audit planning. These four areas are very key areas that hold the subject of audit and assurance. Now, so throughout our discussion, these are what we are going to be going through and to be looking at. But the idea of audit and assurance simply has to do with where, as you know, management of the company are employed by the shareholders of the company. So at the end of the year, what happens is that the shareholders provide funding and all the resources necessary for management to manage their company. At the end of the year, management would have to be accountable to the shareholders. And as we saw in public sector, we said that management will be accountable to the shareholders by preparation of what? Financial statements. Now, when they prepare their financial statement and give it to the shareholders, the shareholders will not just take what management has given to them. They would want to find out about a third opinion, a third party, about whether what management is saying is really what? True. So, for instance, you want to buy a dress or you want to buy something and you are working with someone. So you ask the person, or maybe sometimes you even put it on and you ask the person, does, it, does this look good on me? So what are you finding on? A third opinion. Now, when that person says it's good on you, all other things being equal, you're going to be buying so the same thing happens to the shareholders. When management presents them with a financial statement, they want to find out about the authenticity of it. So in that case, the shareholders would have to now employ we, the service of the auditors, to now give an opinion on whether the financial statement actually represents the true and fair view of the organization. Other times also, management can employ auditors not to audit the financial statement but to perform other audit functions. So we have some other assurance services that we'll be looking at, like 
Management can employ people for tax computation or tax issues, valuation of assets, internal controls, system testing. All of these are other works that management can engage the service of auditors to undertake. So with these kind of things, it is not the shareholders employing, but the management are employing in order to get a good view of what they have to put in the financial statement. So the entire idea of audit and assurance would have to examine how we as auditors are going to audit these financial statements and issue a report to the shareholders, or how we are going to undertake these assurance services and issue the report to the management of the company. Also, when companies uh, are going for loan from the bank, the bank will request what we call prospective financial information, which gives a forecast of how much money you, have, you want to make or what you are going to be using the money for. When that statement is presented to the bank, the bank will want to find out the authenticity of what? That statement. Then the bank will also engage the service of the auditors in order to find out whether this statement actually represents a true and fair view of the organization. So this is the entire role of auditors. What we are going to be doing is just going to be examining things, scrutinizing things, to see whether they are actually what it is purported to be. So that is what we are going to be doing throughout. So what if the bank receives audited financial Yes. Yes. Sometimes they need a second review, so that's called a second review. So they can receive an auditor's uh, auditor's report with a financial statement. But if the loan is such that it's huge, they will want to employ another audit firm to look at the audit reports and the financial statement of the company to find out whether it is really true. Because we know the issue of collusion or uh, uh, independent. So maybe the auditors were paid by the management so that they can issue a good report so we can get a loan. So because the bank will want to avoid that, they would want to find out a second review of the financial statements. Yes. Yes, it fits into this. If it, so if there are anything, it first starts in the organization by the internal auditors. So the internal auditors will find out whether everything is running on well, issue a report, make recommendation to management. So when we external auditors come in, the internal audit, we will interview them, we will talk about them, and they will also tell us some of the things they have identified. Then we will factor that in. Or when there is issues about fraud and money laundering in the company, the management will not require the internal auditors to do it, but they can bring out external auditors. So yes, that one also factors in, and we as auditors will come in to do that as well. So let's begin the discussion of what auditing is all about. So introduction to audit and assurance. Now to understand audit and assurance, we are going to use five W's and one H to understand what audit and assurance is about. So this is like overview of the entire syllabus, and from here, we'll begin to break them down one after the other. So when we say auditing, what is auditing? So from my 
introductory discussion, what would, we, what would you say is auditing in a simple language? Okay. Okay. Provide. Okay. Organization. Right. So that is it. An independent opinion for what? Uh, to share with it. Now, you've answered why. So the reason why they are doing their work is to what? Express an opinion. So that they give confidence to management. But to look at what auditing and assurance is, we will say that it is the independent examination of financial statements or systems of an organization. The independent examination of financial statements or systems of an organization. So, undertake an audit. So if it is the independent examination of financial statement and systems of the organization, why do we undertake the audit? The auditor fundamentally undertakes the audit, as you said, to express an opinion on the financial statement, whether it represents what? A true and fair view of the organization. So the reason why we perform an audit is to express an opinion to see whether financial statements are prepared in accordance with generally accepted accounting practices, GAP. So to identify or to give an opinion on whether financial statements are prepared according to generally accepted accounting practices. So that is the idea or the reason. So we are going to be giving an objective opinion on how the financial statements are prepared, whether they are prepared according to generally accepted accounting practice. The next question is, when do we come in? Auditors audit financial statements after management has prepared and present the financial statement. Period. So, what does that mean? It tells us something key here, which you may see in your example, which means management is responsible for what? The preparation and presentation of financial statements. So, we as auditors are not responsible for the preparation and presentation of financial statements. Rather, we the auditor, so the auditor is responsible for independent examination examination of a financial statement. So that is what you have to understand about it. So what is auditing the independent examination of the financial statement? Why do we undertake audit to give an objective opinion about whether financial statements are prepared in accordance with GAAP. When do we undertake the audit? We undertake our audit after management 
has prepared and present the financial statement, which means management is responsible for the preparation and presentation of financial statement, and we, the auditors, are responsible for the independent examination of the financial statement. What does that mean? It means if we are the auditors of the company, we cannot participate in the preparation of the financial statement of the company. Or we can participate, but what it means is that a different audit team will participate in the preparation of financial statement and a different, another team will come and audit it. Because the four big firms, KPMG, NS and Young, when they are auditing firms, sometimes they work their tasks for them. They value their assets for them. They audit their internal controls. But the teams that do that are different from the people who actually audit the financial statement. The reason why that is important is because of this work. And it's going to be running through my lips and our studies throughout, independent of the auditor. So who does the audit? We've said that he the person has to examine and give an opinion after management has prepared a financial statement. So who does the audit? The audit has to be done by an independent external auditor. An independent external auditor. So it is only an independent external auditor that can undertake the audit. So from this angle, we're going to look at qualities of auditors. In other words, people, qualities, or if you want, qualification of auditors. To be an auditor, number one, the auditor must not be an employee of the company. That's the first thing. The auditor must not be an employee of the company. Two, the auditor must not be an agent in any form of the company. Now, why are all these things qualities? Because of this word, independent. Because you cannot be the employee of the company and still audit the company. Your independence will be impaired. Three, the auditor must have written and passed all examination by a sub-regulatory body a sub-regulatory body such as ACCA UK or ICA Ghana so you should be written at the exams, you should pass, in other words, you should be certified to undertake the audit. Four, the auditor must not have any personal relationship 
especially with top management, with management and those charged with government. So that's the fourth point. The auditor must not have any personal relationship, especially with the management and those charged with governance. So what it means is that if you are the board chairman of a company or you are the uh, branch manager of a company, your daughter cannot come and audit that firm because of what? The relationship that is there. So that is the fourth point there. Then the last thing that I'm going to add is that the auditor must not have any financial interest of the company, any financial interest in the company. In other words, the auditor cannot be a shareholder, a debt holder, or whatever. They cannot have any financial interest in the company. This is a common area for the examiner to ask students. Who qualifies to be an auditor of a company? And these are the things that we list out. So you cannot be an employee. You cannot be an agent of the company. You cannot be, you have to write and pass all the exams by a regulatory body. You should be able to uh, not have a relationship with any uh, management and those charged with governance. Very, very important on that level. Then, um, auditors must not have any financial interest. Then the last point I think I'll add to make it safe is that the auditor must not be an employee of a related party of the organization. The auditor must not be an employee of a related party of the organization. What does that mean? If, for instance, um, um, Ecobank, Ecobank has another company that they use for their savings and loans. Is it EBSion or whatever? EBSion. So that is the idea we are talking about here. So what happens is that you cannot work for EBSion and become an auditor for what? Ecobank. Why? Because they are related party organizations. This is what we mean by who can undertake the audit. The next thing, we mentioned that when the auditor undertakes the audit, the auditor has to express an objective opinion. The opinion that the auditor is going to be expressing is going to be dependent on the audit evidence that the, he gathers. The standard requires that the auditor has to gather sufficient and appropriate audit evidence. This is also another term that we will be running through as we continue. So before we can express our opinion, we should gather sufficient. Sufficient simply means enough. Appropriate means relevant and reliable. So we should gather sufficient, enough evidence, 
appropriate, relevant, and reliable evidence before we can express our opinion. During the evidence gathering process, the auditor will have to undertake what we call audit procedures. And we'll get into all these because these are all topics we'll be discussing later. So before we can gather the evidence that is enough, before we can gather the evidence that is appropriate, we need to undertake what we call audit procedures. There are five audit procedures that are based on the vowels in English. The first one is called analytical procedures. Then we have inquiry. Then we have inspection. Then we have A-E-I-O-U, oh, okay, observation, and then recalculation and re-performance. So these are the audit procedures, and they are represented with this word, A-E-I-O-U. Now, the analytical procedures are simply a comparison of the current year financial statement against previous year financial statements, the budget of the company, as well as financial statement of related organizations or similar organizations. That is what we mean by analytical procedures. So you are comparing the current year financial statement against the previous year financial statement, against the budget, against financial statement of similar companies in the industry in order for you to gather some understanding. Now, why will we undertake analytical procedures? Because the auditor may want to find trends or changes in the assertions in the financial statement. Now, when we use the word assertion here, every figure on the face of the financial statement is referred to as an assertion. So, if for instance, last year is 28, this year is 29, the budget of the company for 29 is here. So look at it. The sales figure last year was $20 million. Then this year we reported a sales of $35 million. But in our budget, we said the sales will be $23 million. Now, if you are an auditor, what will come to your mind at seeing this in the financial statement? You will suspect that they will inflate the sales. So that is what we call analytical procedures. Because this is an assertion they have made. This is a statement. Why that trend? Why will you make 20 million last year and say in your budget it will be 23, but now it's 35? So to get a better understanding from the analytical procedures, we go to the next step for inquiry. So this is where we inquire from management explanation on the various evidence or observations that we have gathered during our audit. So inquiry from management, inquiry from those charged with governance, inquiry from the employees of the organization to find out why this change is actually like that. Maybe during the year, we had a spontaneous or unexpected contract that increased our sales. So we inquire from management to get that understanding. 
So analytical procedures gives us some evidence. Enquiry makes us to become certified on the evidence or conclude on the evidence. Then we need to now inspect some documents. So inspection. And it could be documents or books or accounts. So we're going to be inspecting various documents. If the sales figure is 35 million, can we inspect all of the documents associated with this 35 million? If you say during the year we got a contract of $10 million, that was why our sales figure has jumped like that, where are the documents to it? We're going to be inspecting the documents. Then, sometimes, not only must we inspect documents, but we have to also undertake what we call observation. So observation is carried out in order for the auditor to understand the internal control systems of the company. The internal control systems of the company. So that we see how things are done within the organization. Because when you go to a company, they will give you what we call internal control framework. The internal control framework is a manual in which the company documents how things are done within the organization. Now, when that manual is given to you as an auditor, you don't just read the manual because one of the things we'll be talking about later on as we continue to have is professional skepticism. Meaning, having a questioning mind so that you don't just take things on their own face value. So, we need to now observe to see. Okay, they said in the sales department, they have three people there. One person gives the sales credit, another person sells the goods, another person goes for the money. This is their thing. They have documented. Observation means going there to go and find out whether these things are actually like that. Another level of observation has to do with inventory count. If in the balance sheet they said closing inventory, assets that we have are valued at this, you will want to go and observe whether the inventory is actually what, like that. So auditors will be attending inventory counts to count the inventory with the company. And then also they will be going on the field to count all the assets that the company has to see if it corresponds to what has been recorded in the current year financial statement. After the observation, sometimes we need to undertake the U, which is called recalculation or re-performance. So this is where the auditor calculates the various figures, like depreciation, like tax, revaluation issues, and all other things. We calculate it all over again to find out whether the figure or the figures represented in the financial statement is actually what has to be represented. So, these are all what the auditor does in gathering his evidence. Remember, the evidence has to be sufficient, meaning it should be enough, and it has to be appropriate, meaning it should be relevant and reliable. So let me throw a question back to you. Let's say you are auditing a company, and you see their test figure, people who owe us in the, in the company. You see that the debtors figure in last year was 20 million, this year is 65 million, but in the budget, they estimated that the debtors figure will be 30 million. Using this audit procedure, how would you audit 
this trade receivables or debtors. Gather an evidence. 
That evidence has to be gathered using these audit procedures. Now, when that evidence is gathered, we have concluded, we have seen that, yes, it is enough. We cannot make a conclusion on the financial statement of the company. Then, where means, where do we express our opinion? The auditor expresses his or her opinion in the auditor's report. So the auditor expresses his or her opinion in the auditor's report. In the auditor's report, there are four types of opinions that the auditor can express. So the fact that he is issuing an audit opinion, sorry, an audit report does not mean he gives only one opinion. There are four opinions the auditor can give. So let's look at these four opinions and their interpretation. One, the auditor can give what we call unqualified opinion. Unqualified opinion. Unqualified opinion is where the auditor expresses that financial statements prepared represents the true and fair view of the entity. That is an unqualified audit opinion. Financial statements prepared and presented represent a true and fair view of the entity. Meaning that, in a simple KG language, we will say everything is okay. That is what we mean by an unqualified opinion. So based on the work that we have undertaken, Everything is okay. That is the first opinion we can have when we finish with our audits. Second, it's called qualified opinion. This is where the auditor expresses an opinion that financial statement prepared and presents represents the true and fair view of the entity with the exception of Financial statement prepared and presents represents a true and fair view of the entity with the exception of, so that word will be used here, with the exception of, in other words, not everything is okay here. Not everything. Most of the things are okay, but with the exception of that. So it can go this way. After the conclusion of our audit, it came to our notice and we can state that financial statement prepared represents a true and fair view of the entity with the exception of the going consent status of the company which was wrongly analyzed by the company. So that is called an exception for this. Third, if everything is not good, if everything is good but something is smelling, there are times that nothing is good at all. It's called diverse opinion. Diverse opinion. So this is the direct opposite of the unqualified opinion. This is where the auditor expresses an opinion that financial statements prepared and present does not represent a true and fair view of the organization. 
So the financial statement prepared and presents does not represent the true and fair view of the company. That is called a diverse opinion. So with this one, we say that financial statements are not prepared according to generally accepted accounting practice. It is not according to that. So not everything is okay. Or, yes, it's not about not everything okay. Nothing is okay here. So literally, that's what we are saying. Nothing is okay. Meaning here, internal control system may be weak. The accountants who prepare the financial statements are inexperienced. Everything is not done well. So here we say that we cannot or everything is not well with organizations. Then we come to the fourth point. As I mentioned earlier, with our illustration of the data, I told you that you have to seek management permission before you speak to the data. So during our evidence gathering process, there are sometimes not everything we want that the audit, the management will provide to us. So if management obstructs us or gives, puts a hindrance in our way, which prevents us of gathering our sufficient and appropriate audit evidence, that means we can't say everything is fine. Neither can we say everything is okay with the exception of, neither can we say nothing is smelling, but we can issue what we call a disclaimer opinion. Disclaimer opinion is where we say that we cannot express an opinion on the financial statement. So this is where the auditor states that he cannot express an opinion on the financial statement due to the fact that management prevented them from gathering sufficient and appropriate audit evidence. So that is the thing you need to understand about the disclaimer opinion. So, depending on the scenario, we will have to find out, is it a qualified opinion, is it an exception of, is it a diverse opinion, or is a disclaimer opinion. The distinction is that if there is a disclaimer, there is going to be a disclaimer, meaning auditors were prevented from carrying out their work as they were supposed to have carried it out. Please note that, in this audit report, whatever opinion the auditors are presenting is not an absolute opinion. But a reasonable opinion. This emphasis is very important that we make. So they are not providing us with an absolute opinion, meaning the fact that we say everything is okay does not mean everything is actually okay. But they are giving us a reasonable opinion. Now, why is that, is that so? It is so because the auditors don't audit 100% of the company. Simple. They just audit a part of the company, sometimes 25% of the company, and then they issue their audit reports. Especially the top four audit firms. We will go through that later on. But they adopt what we call the risk-based audit approach. Where, when they get to the company, they identify the risky areas of the company. Then once they identify the risky areas of the company, 
they now deploy their experts, their auditors to audit those areas. Once those areas are okay, all other things being equal, they can issue their auditors' reports. So remember and note that we are giving an, a reasonable opinion and not an absolute opinion. So it is not a done deal when the auditor says everything is okay. But based on the work they have done, if it is 25%, if it is 50%, they will give you some reasonable assurance or opinion there. Now, these four audit opinions can sub be divided into what we call modified audit reports and unmodified audit reports. So these four opinions can further be divided into what we call modified audit reports and unmodified audit reports. So audit reports can be unmodified and also modified. It is simple. An unmodified audit report is an audit report that expresses an opinion of unqualified opinion. Simple. So here we say everything is okay, so there is no modification to the auditor's report. There is no explanation to the auditor's report. But when we, we do or we issue a modified audit report, meaning we are going to be giving some further explanation, we are going to be giving some further clauses, and so the modified audit reports are the rest of the three. So qualified opinion, it's a form of modified audit reports. Diverse opinion is a form of modified audit reports. And then a disclaimer opinion is a modified audit report. Now, what happens is that during the carrying out of the audit, the auditor will issue an accept of or accept for opinion or will issue a diverse opinion, meaning he is issuing a modified auditor's report. In that case, the auditor in his audit report will include a paragraph called an emphasis of matter paragraph. Emphasis of matter now, so what is an emphasis of matter paragraph? Let's take the definition for that. It is a paragraph included in the auditor's report. It is a paragraph included in the auditor's report that refers to a matter appropriately presented. It is a paragraph included in the auditor's report that refers to a matter appropriately presented or disclosed in the financial statements appropriately presented or disclosed in the financial statements that in the auditor's judgment that in the auditor's judgment that in the auditor's judgment is of such importance that that in the auditor's judgment 
is of such importance that it is fundamental to users understanding of the financial statement that it is of such importance that it is fundamental to users understanding of the financial statements. So that is what we mean by an emphasis of matter paragraph. Meaning, what we are going to be talking about has been disclosed already in the financial statement. But in our opinion, we think bringing it to the spotlight and telling shareholders directly about it or stakeholders about it will be or will aid them in the making of their decision. For instance, many financial institutions in this country and most of those that uh, also got collapsed or got taken over uh, were having assets. But most of the assets they were having were all leased assets. So on the face of the balance sheet, you will be happy that the company has this asset. But they are not the company's asset. Now, so if as auditors we realize that the company has a lot of leased assets and so it has increased the asset base of the company, when we are issuing our auditors report, Yes, they have correctly disclosed that it is a leased asset, but we will bring it on the face explicitly in our report that about 70% of the company's assets are all leased, and that will be due for payment or due for loss within the next 5 or 10 years. Why? Because that will let the shareholders understand that the asset we see on the balance sheet is not our asset. That is what we mean by an emphasis of matter paragraph. So anything that we think in our judgment is smelling in the financial statement that we have to tell the shareholders, then we tell them in the auditor's report. So this is what you got to understand about where the auditor expresses his opinion. Four types of opinion, unqualified, qualified, diverse, disclaimer, can start be divided into two an unmodified report and then a modified report. We will come back to the auditor's report under the last topic called reporting and we will talk about it also there. So that is the fifth W that we spoke about. So what is auditing? Why do we undertake the audit? When do we undertake the audit? Uh, who undertakes the audit? And where does the auditor express an opinion? Then the last one is the H. How do we undertake the audit? How? So let's look at that. So six, how? The auditor undertake his audit according to generally accepted auditing standards. Guys, generally accepted audited, auditing standard. So these are, this is how the auditor undertakes his audit. All the things we are going to be doing 
must be in accordance with generally accepted auditing standards. There are 10 generally accepted auditing standards, which are all topics that we'll be covering in a moment, but I'm going to give you a picture of how it is. So the first thing in the generally accepted accounting standard is what we refer to as general tips. General tip. General tip. Now, the tip here is three of the standards. What does that mean? Before we start as auditors, before we can say we can audit a financial statement, we must have a general tip about auditing. The T there stands for training and proficiency. What does that mean? It means that the auditor must be trained and have accounting education. The auditor must have in-depth understanding on accounting, on finance, on tax, on the various issues that the profession is about. That is what we mean by 